Hey, what's happening? Ray Woodson back with you. Thank you again for listening. Happy Thanksgiving week. And like many of you, I am traveling this week. So we're going to do sort of a hybrid podcast this time around. That's right. Low emissions. Also, it's going to be a best of from our first 11 episodes. Best of, you say? Well, it's not like a band that does two albums and then does a best of because that's just a money grab. As far as I know, nobody's cashing in on this one. Not yet, anyway. But it's a chance to uh, catch up on some of our interviews so far. I've really enjoyed it, and we're going to have a lot more of them. But for those of you who don't have time to binge listen, well, this will be the Reader's Digest version. And believe me, we love binge listeners. But thanks to the hard work of the newest member of the growing Blue Wire podcast family, Greg Moraz, he's going to produce our little highlight package for this week. But before we get to that, a little bit of news to talk about. First of all, the new director of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi, reiterated to Henry Shulman of the Chronicle today that it's possible they don't fill the general manager's position until the next offseason. Maybe a couple of reasons for that. Uh, there would be a larger pool of candidates then, although the current relatively small pool is pretty strong. Also, as we mentioned, when Zaidi was hired, he can count on the strong institutional knowledge in the front office already, including Brian Sabian. The winter meetings are getting close, free agency dominoes start falling, and then the search for a GM gets complicated. Uh, Zaidi seems to want to take his time to get it right. I don't blame him. And he was Dodgers general manager for the last several seasons, so he's familiar with the job. I mean, he's got his hands full right now trying to familiarize himself with the Giants organization, though he's indicated he's got a good head start with the people already here. And certainly from his standpoint with the uh, Dodgers and with the A's before that, he knows the Giants. But, well, I hate to use this phrase, but I think it applies here. He's got to do a deep dive on the organizational talent before he starts making deals. And frankly, if Bruce Bochy is managing in 2019 to fulfill his contract, it gets kind of awkward. GM's going to want to bring in his own guy. And so he's kind of looming like a vulture. And so it's probably best to, to wait until Bochi has what I presume will be his swan song before getting going on filling out the organizational chart. Zaidi is still not saying much on his plans for Madison Bumgarner, who's entering the final year of a long-term team-friendly contract. Now, setting aside the freak injuries of the last two seasons, Bumgarner is not quite the dominant pitcher he was. Still pretty good, but not great. And as we said before, the peripheral numbers are down. Uh, 210 strikeouts in 240 innings. Pretty good, but not quite as good as he has been. 3.29 ERA. Still pretty good. But a slight drop in both his four-seam and two-seam fastball velocity. Or velo, as the kids like to say. Uh, 92.1 in 2014. 90.9 or 91 the last three seasons. So not a precipitous decline, but a decline. It's something you can work around if you're, you have the savvy of a Bumgarner. But Fangraphs also notes a greater reliance on off-speed pitches, including a curve at a career-high 22.8% in 2018. And you know scouts know all about that. Increasing hard contact and a decline in the strikeout-to-walk ratio. There's a couple of other red flags for a guy who is never a pure-speed pitcher, a guy who sawed off a lot of bats and hides the ball so well with that, uh, that delivery that's not one that a lot of hitters are used to. Uh, he's 29, but he has some mileage even with the abbreviated 2018 and 2017 seasons. He may be of more value to the Giants than other teams, but that's what this offseason is about, uh, figuring out what the market is. Now, the Yankees have been speculated as a possible trade partner, but they might be out after getting 30-year-old lefty James Paxton from the Mariners. Uh, The Yanks give up their number one prospect, pitcher Justice Sheffield, uh, number 22 prospect, pitcher Eric Swanson, and outfielder Dom Thompson-Williams. Sheffield is the prize, of course, a lefty who's just 22, 
has five pretty good pitches, fastball and slider grayed out at 60 or better, and a changeup that's potentially good. He's described as just about major league ready. Just 5'11", but they say he'll give you everything he's got on the mound. You know, I seem to remember a, a pitcher of similar stature with the Giants who did that. Last name started with L. Can't quite put my finger on it. I know it'll come to me. But anyway, Paxton uh, is a guy that uh, commanded a pretty good haul, but maybe not quite as much as the Giants would want for Bumgarner. Uh, Sheffield, 7-6, and 2.48 ERA in AA and AAA last year. Only 82 hits allowed in 116 innings. Very impressive. Here's Paxton's 2018 in a nutshell. No hitter against the Blue Jays, 16 Ks against the A's, but his bullpen let him down. And at the Twins' home opener, a damn bald eagle landed on him. Maybe the eagle knew he was Canadian, I'm not sure. But Paxton said, I knew I wasn't going to outrun the bird, so I, I just tried to stay calm. And eventually he got uh, the eagle to slide down his back before his talons could gouge him. So... As the reporter said, he was unflappable. Perhaps that was a precursor for the 2018 season in which he had a 108 ERA plus. And uh, his fielding independent ERA the last three seasons, 2.80, 2.61, 3.23. This guy is pretty damn good. He's second year arbitration eligible, so another attraction for the Yankees. Uh, The Yanks could still go after Patrick Corbin, have the flexibility to do that, or make another trade with their rich farm system. Not as desperate to get a guy like Bumgarner. Paxton helps out what has been a weakness for the Yankees, and that's their rotation. You'd think the Giants would want a top prospect and a contributing major leaguer for Bumgarner, who is more accomplished than Paxton. But while Bumgarner has shown slight signs of decline, Paxton has been steadily improving. He is 30, and he's had some injuries. But when he's right, well, he looks like a number one starter. He's got a high 90s fastball, improving his velocity last year by adjusting his release point. He had a career-high 32.2% K rate in 2018, fifth best in the majors. And that's the highest figure for a Mariners pitcher since Randy Johnson in 1997. He was a pretty good lefty. Look it up. He also had, Paxton did, a career-best whip of 1.098, and he cut down on a league-leading 15 wild pitches in 2017 with eight in 2018, and that was in 24 more innings. So... Maybe not an exact match for Bumgarner, but a barometer. 23-11 the last two years with an ERA around 3.40. Bumgarner with a better overall resume for sure, but not quite at his peak. Nine months younger, but a little more battle-tested. But right now, at this moment, Paxton emerging as a number one, and as the scouts say, a K machine, looks better than Bumgarner when you consider the money and all the other uh, intangibles that are involved here for the Yankees. As USA Today's Bob Nightingale said, it's not the same Bumgarner and teams know this, so it might suit their needs, according to Nightingale, after a long offseason of rest, to have Bumgarner plugged in as number one, see how the first few months go before the trade deadline. But there is risk in that. If Bumgarner continues to decline a little bit, the Giants struggle, they are left with an even less valuable player, and they have lost some leverage. Buster Olney of ESPN says, right now may be the exact time to try to make a deal. The right team may still look at him in the offseason and say, he can help us. And Farhan Zaidi and the Giants got to be open to listening, and I'm sure they are. It had better be a hell of a deal to to trade him within the division, and I think that's very unlikely. More likely that he's dealt to a National League East team like the Braves or an American League team. By the way, you can weigh in tonight on my Twitter poll, at RayWoodson925, and here are the options. Trade in the offseason, so far 37% are... Voting for that. 
14% say trade by the trade deadline, July 31st. Uh, Re-up them short-term, if you can, at 27%. And sign them long-term, so far, 22%. We've got uh, about 300 votes so far, so if you want to weigh in on that, still a few more hours to do so. All right, we're going to get into our best of, our little highlight package coming up. But first, I want to talk about a friend of ours. All right, guys and gals, sadly, baseball season's over. Got a long way till spring training, but that means we are in the thick of the football season. And you and I both know, in fact, my cat Lacey knows, just jumped on my lap, that watching football is fun, but it's a lot more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Now, you've heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. So, whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. Yes, that rhymes. If you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, and who doesn't, like playing numbers on roulette? Well, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win. You hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. That would be a tidy profit. There's so much to bet on right now. College basketball is underway. The NFL, as I mentioned. We also have uh, college football, NBA, NHL. My bookie is the one bet I know you're going to be happy with all year long. I recommend these guys because I trust them. They've been in business for years. They've got great online reviews that you can check out. The mobile site is easy to use. And sign up this week and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. Great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention in DM. Not to mention that they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. My bookie. Farhan Zaidi is going to run the Giants baseball operations now. From what I heard in the news conference, it sounds like you've got every intention to make this team competitive in 2019. Am I right about that? Yeah, you know, it's hard to go into a season with any other goal, I think. I mean, this is a team that was playing 500 or a little bit above 500 late into the season and, uh, you know, had some injuries derail things. So, you know, again, it's uh, not an easy thing to go from the record this team's had the last couple years to making the playoffs. But, you know, again, it sounds like a simple goal, but let's just play meaningful baseball as deep into the season as we can, and then we'll see what happens. You know, one of the interesting things I, I thought uh, with the Dodgers, the under-the-radar signings, guys like Muncie, like Morrow, Chris Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are we going to see guys like that in the offseason here that fans don't know? Do you have guys in mind already, or are they yet to be discovered? Yeah, I think that's got to be part of the strategy for us is, you know, not just looking to sign big money free agents or, or, or make trades for established players. I mean, to, you know, some of those guys you mentioned, you know, when we signed Max Muncy and Brandon Morrow, you know, I don't think uh, any of our writers even reported those transactions. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you never know which one of these moves is going to wind up paying off in a big way. And, uh, and that's our job. That Our job is to not just make the moves that make headlines, but also make the moves that don't, but could wind up paying off in the future. It's been said that uh, the Giants can't attract a free agent slugger to this ballpark. What's your take on that? I don't uh, view that as the case. I mean, you had, uh, you know, Barry Bonds had quite the career here, and yeah. not, not every slugger out there is, is Barry Bonds. But, uh, you know, this is an attractive place to play. This is a terrific market. 
And, uh, you know, in this day and age where people consider ballpark factors and adjust for that, not just in how they view statistics, but how they vote for awards, uh, you know, I just think the way the game is viewed and, and the way ballparks affect statistics, people have a more sophisticated view of that, and I think players are aware of that as well. Knowing the rivalry, it had to have been a little cherry on top that the Giants bring somebody from the Dodgers system, and the A's as well. So, I mean, you're on the same industry, but the, you're, you're aware of these little rivalries. Yeah, you know, I think rivalries are great for the sport and the game, and, uh, you know, if this adds a little wrinkle to it that gets people talking more and, you know, brings out those competitive juices in both franchises, I think that's a terrific thing. I mean, I... I uh, really enjoyed my time with the Dodgers. I think it's a class organization, uh, but I'm really excited for us to get moving in a positive direction here and you know, to start playing those rivalry games with a different intensity because both teams are on the cusp of the playoffs and fighting for that position. Uh, you know, that's when the NL West is at its best. Tim Flannery, who, of course, a uh, longtime third base coach for the San Francisco Giants, now doing a lot of TV, including with NBC Sports Bay Area, and, of course, in his playing career with the San Diego Padres. And uh, I was thinking, uh, you and Bruce Bochy, you guys go back to the Pleistocene era almost. And I think it was actually like 1982 we met each other. He had just got traded over from the Mets, and we started running around together and enjoying each other and we played five years together uh, and then I coached third base for him for 16 years. He fired me the first time after uh, seven years mm -hmm. and I needed to go home. It was in San Diego when they cut the payroll to 38 million dollars and we're pretending and I don't pretend well. Uh, so when he got the job here in San Francisco he could only bring one coach with him and I'm the guy that he called, and that's what he said. They're trying to win up there. They're not pretending. I need you. So it's been a real, it's been a, it was a great run, and it's it's great to still watch him do his thing. Can I ask you before I talk about Bruce a little more? I mean, at the end, was it the travel that just kind of got to you, or, or what was it? Well, the demand of it really is what got, especially at this place. The, the place about I love about San Francisco, it's sold out almost every night it was being it was sold out every night the, the history of it the uh you know you look from a distance when you're on other clubs and you see it just it's different and it is because the expectations of winning uh they don't ever go away they don't ever say well like in san diego well you're gonna win in 2021 i'm hearing that now down there uh it, it just after three world championships uh and doing it for 20 years, I you know I managed in the minor leagues for four years, uh, and then I played 10 years before that. I just didn't feel like there was anything else I could do in the game. And as a coach, uh, you don't make enough money to just retire. I mean, I physically just felt like after the third time, there was just there were other things in my life that were really uh, important to me that I wanted to. I wanted to be able to do something other than have a baseball game and prepare for a baseball game every single day. I want, you know, I'm, I'm a grandfather now, and I've got kids that are grown. Uh, I have a wife of 36 years who has been through it all, and I felt like I was actually getting unhealthy. I felt like I was drinking too hard. I thought the travel—I don't mind the travel because I'm still doing it in my music. 
but uh, I just felt like I, I was losing who I am and I wanted to go home and, and get healthy and I really didn't even know what I was going to do before game six in Kansas City I, before I got on the bus, I called my buddy who's a mortgage broker, who a great friend. I go, Ronnie, I need a loan on my house. I, I, I got to get out of here. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, so I had already, in, in my mind, made up that uh, I was leaving. And uh, to be able to, then all of a sudden, things kind of fell in my lap with TV, which I'd done before. And, and, uh, and, and then I wanted to play a lot more of my music and... and focus on this nonprofit, the Love Harder Project that we do to, for anti-violence, anti-bullying. I wanted to surf. I wanted to float down rivers. I mean, we, I've, had a, I've had a ball. <laughs> well, I can tell on Twitter. I mean, you're going all over the place. You're playing concerts. I, I saw you with the, the RV by the beach, stuff like yeah. that. I mean, so you're living the dream, sort of. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 we, I've been blessed enough to have played long enough, you know, and uh, where I took my pension too soon because coaching you don't make money but uh, you know I, I've always kind of lived in my means and I've, I'm not about money you know I'm about doing what uh, you know I've buried a lot of guys along the way a lot of great friends uh, in the game of baseball uh, it, it looks glamorous but there's some collateral damage that comes with it and I saw the warning signs in my life yeah. pays to be a soul surfer Absolutely. That's my language. Out by myself, even if the south wind's blowing. What do you think happens with Bumgarner? Because that's going to be the big debate in the offseason. Uh, should they trade him, try to start the rebuild, but also get contributing players, you know, while he has some value uh, going into his final contract year, or do they wait till the midseason? How do you think they're going to play that? I think they should just go ask him. He might not want to be here. Yeah. Uh, and the reason being is not for the money, but he wants, I think, at this point, maybe get kind of closer to home on the East Coast, where you know Carolina's where he's at. Uh, he could make it a lot easier. I've had conversations with him that he's talking about. Well, you know, I'd like to check out where you're out over there, like in Half Moon, because if I'm not here, I'd still like to be a part of the community once in a while and have a place to come back to. So. If, in fact, that's where he's at, it will make it a lot easier to make a trade because he would be a guy that probably say. But uh, I think it depends on how you rebuild. If you have an opportunity to win, you will not get rid of Madison Bumgarner. But if you need him to start uh, a type of rebuild, uh, that conversation would be one that they probably already have had with him and his agent. Or they will. Yeah, and and a devil's in the details. If you get a big haul for somebody like that, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen. But there's possibility a team like the Yankees or the Braves comes along, a team that's got a deep farm system and says, we got guys who are ready to contribute now. Maybe they're blocked here. Some scenario like that could happen. Absolutely. And, and I think he's, you know, he knows – Look, he's the first guy that wants the younger guys out there in the outfield running balls yeah. down. I mean, we always hear him publicly say that. Uh, so like he, Duggar. Yeah. Absolutely. So he understands it. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and I don't think there's – I don't think you go into this offseason with this – or at least they don't have it right here, right now, this great plan, because they don't know what will be offered. Uh, and that will determine if – you put somebody on the market. 
All right, the name of the podcast is Triple's Alley Report, and we're going to talk some baseball with Ray Ratto. So what better place to do that than Oracle Arena with the sounds of basketballs in the background before the Warriors take on the Phoenix Suns. Ray, how you doing? Well, I'm trying to figure out why we aren't at a ballpark, because it would be infinitely quieter. That, well, if it was the one next door for most of the season, you would be correct. Uh, let me ask you, would you rather have the A's future now or the Giants future? Oh, the A's future. Um, I mean, first of all, if you just look at the roster, they're greatly advantaged by the fact that their most important players are young. Uh, secondly, there's, there is something that invigorates players about the prospect of eventually going to a new building. The Giants don't have that anymore because they've got their building. So, you know, it, the Giants are sort of the establishment house, and the A's basically have a future ahead of them that they can define pretty much any way they want. So I think in that way, you know, their future is their future is preferable. I mean, the Giants are the great cash cow, but at some point you decide you want something other than milk. The thing about the Giants right now is, okay, they pitch, but do they do anything else well? If you're going to hit 130 home runs, you better do a lot else well. And about the only thing they did well was pitch since June 1st. So I think what it just comes down to is you talk about stockpiling talent. That's been the problem. They haven't been able to do that. And I think that's job one is to commence that while you try to rebuild this team, and they're already starting to do that. Well, they've always they've always been pretty facile about getting infield talent. Um, they're great failing of, you know, on the lineup card is that their outfield is shambolic. Um, and they didn't pitch as well as the numbers would suggest because ultimately when you look at, at their team and the place in which they play, it's a real offense depressor. So their pitching numbers are always going to look better than they are. How many starting pitchers do you think will be starting pitchers for them in three years? That's, that's the first problem, because I mean, it's not about turning this around in time for next year. It's about what you do in three years and what you do in five. And I don't know that there is anybody, you know, that you can go, that's somebody we can build around. They don't have a Ronald Acuna. They don't have a, you know, a Johan Camargo just to take two Braves. I mean, they don't have those dynamic young guys anywhere. Their most dynamic young player is Derek Rodriguez. Now, on a good team, you know, what fourth starter, maybe, maybe fifth, um, you know, and then it and then it falls off after that. So I think you know they they're not only short on talent, they're short on knowing how that talent needs to manifest itself by the time they want to get good. Because this is not a one-year rebuild. This is a a three or four-year rebuild. There are going to be some lean years. And because you're not going to get any free agents that you can paper over some of the holes, uh, it's going to be hard sledding for them. We're chatting with Giants pitcher Derek Rodriguez. And uh, first of all, start of the year, mm-hmm. did you think you were going to be Giants pitcher Derek Rodriguez and Giants starting pitcher Derek Rodriguez this soon? Uh, no, not this soon. Um, I mean, I came in in camp, you know, new to the team, so I was just trying to fit in and everything. 
Um, and I mean, even from the, in the off season, they told me I was going to come in as a relief pitcher. So, um, yeah, me being here so quick and, and as a starter is it's it's a quick turnaround. What is the adjustment as far as your approach, your mindset from being a reliever to a starter, and and how did that go? Obviously, in the field, the results are pretty good mm-hmm. so far. I mean, I, I feel like uh, as a starter, you have uh, you got five days to my, kind of mentally prepare yourself. Um, as a reliever, you got to be mentally prepared every day to go out there and 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 at least pitch an inning or two. So um, I feel like that's the difference. So like, I mean, in between probably workouts and all that stuff, change a little bit. And, and you're going over a lot of scouting reports, of mm-hmm. course, uh, during that time, uh, and maybe more so than you'd have time to do as, mm-hmm. as a reliever. So, I mean, does that help you in approaching these hitters? It does. It does. Um, like, even now, I, I get the last game of the series, so I have the privilege of watching, you know, our pitchers three games before I have to go out there and, and, and battle it out. But, um, yeah, I mean, as a, as a, as a, as a starter, I mean, you got you got the the scouting report for the first time through the lineup, so you get to kind of get to set the tone. Um, and as a reliever, you got to come in in the game. You know, if if the starter did a really good job throwing inside, you got the outside part of the plate. If not, you know, you got to try and figure it out a little bit. So, but that's I feel like that's the main difference. I know you've joked about Buster puts down the signs, and you just, yeah, just you, <laughs> but you understand catchers better than probably a lot of people do mm-hmm. because your dad was a catcher in the Hall of Fame now. Is there something that sticks with you that he said as far as approaching hitters that you use now? I mean, I just just attacking them. Honestly, it's it's very. Un- I mean, even me as a hitter, when I was a hitter, I was very uncomfortable when I was behind in the count. You know, when when the guy got a a, a quick strike on me or or two quick strikes on me, it, it changes the whole at bat. You know, you go from being um, offensive to kind of being defensive up there. You know, you got to try and protect the plate more so you you don't get to put your the strongest swing. So I mean. That's all he ever, like, that he's told me that stuck with me. They just attack him and, and make him uncomfortable, and that's what I try and do. You don't mess around either. I mean, you don't take much time between pitches. Is that part of the no, attack yeah. a- attack mode too? Yeah, yeah, don't don't give him that much time to, to think, you know, in between pitches. So, I mean, I throw – even for me too, it doesn't give me that much time to think in between pitches. So I just grab the ball, you know, um, grab the ball, Buster puts down the sign or hundo, and, you know, just throw it without trying to – think about or anything just let my body take over and and go from there i mean the results have been great so far this Mm -hmm. year and i mean was there a point where you said yeah i belong here or did you always believe that i mean i feel like deep down inside you always believe in yourself you know but it's it's nice to have that reassurance when you come out here and, and 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 you throw games and you put up numbers against these you know elite athletes so um, it's it's more of a reassurance thing when 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 you've been up here for this long and 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 throwing well so um, you know I don't try and let it get to my head I just trying to work hard every day and keep getting better yeah, I didn't start out this way I mean being a pitcher uh, mm-hmm. did you no. did you see yourself as, as a pitcher or you see yourself as another position player when when it all started out I mean back then I, I saw myself as a as a position player um, but you know, lately, past couple years, um, it started clicking. When I first started pitching, you know, I liked it, and I still like it. I still love it. Um, but I'm saying, like, back then it was, you know, I, I really didn't have a, a, a problem switching from outfield to pitcher. Um, it was always something that I liked. It was, you know, it was, fu- it was fun and um, just putting in all the, all the work and all that stuff um, to get to the point that I am now and getting comfortable with my mechanics and all that stuff. So it was a long, long road.
All right, thanks for checking out our little highlight package so far on Triple's Alley Report. Really enjoyed doing these interviews, and I hope you enjoyed listening to them as much as I enjoyed doing them. Lots more coming up as we get into the new year and the 2019 baseball season. Uh, probably couldn't have talked much longer than I did this week anyway, because like a lot of you, I've been dealing with the bad air quality here in the Bay Area, and it's definitely affected my throat. Have really had to limit the outdoor activity, stayed inside most of the time. But on the bright side, I'm still alive and my house isn't burned down. Our hearts go out to the victims of the campfire uh, near Chico, Paradise, and the surrounding communities. I just don't have the words to express how badly we feel. But I can tell you that if you want to help out, one way to do so is to text the American Red Cross at 90999. Text CA Wildfires. Quick way to give $10. And you can give immediate help in in that way. Pro tip to certain people in Washington, the name of the town is Paradise. P-A-R-A-D-I-S-E. Learn it. Know it. We'll talk to you next week. It's our pleasure doing these podcasts. We hope to do a lot more on Triple's Alley Report. At the sound of the gobble, we're out.